Welcome to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host here for CBuzz. This is the show where we're going to bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community. So we're so glad that you're here. We're coming to you from our new home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center. The center is a collaborative space where faculty and students from really diverse areas of study from music and film to creative writing and digital media, they are empowered to work together in new and exciting ways. And we get to have new and exciting conversations here, including the gentleman that we're talking to today. We have Dr. Frederick Bertley from COSI in with us today. Welcome to the Convergent Media Center. Michaela, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be part of this community. Dr. Bertley is CEO at COSI, and the CEO stamp is still pretty fresh. It's, It's not yet a year. Newly minted January 2nd, so the new kid gets the rights until the end of one full year. I totally agree with you. So how is it going? How is it going over there? You know, it, it's amazing. I, I've moved not just to, to this position at COSI, but also new to the city of Columbus. And it's just been a fantastic journey. And as we were talking offline, it really is an amazing city. It's just been so welcoming, so embracing. So could not be happier here in this great city of Columbus, hanging out at Capital University, chilling with you, Michaela. It's, it's, this has just been like an abundance of, of welcoming. So thank you. We're kicking our feet back and having this conversation today. So you and I have talked, yes, but but tell the rest of the audience, you know, where are you originally from and how did you get to Columbus, Ohio? It's, it's a trip. So it's it's really interesting. So I'm born and raised in Montreal, Canada. My parents are from the Caribbean, um, but they met in Montreal and they had four kids. And as I like to say it, uh, so I'm the last child. So as I like to say it, I'm the oops, baby's younger brother. <laughs> So you can put that in perspective. My parents were well past. They were way too old to have me, but I snuck out. I'm like, I'm here. (laughs) Um, And that was the beginning of my my journey. And so raised in Canada, um, fortunate to have, you know, great parents and just wonderful experiences. And then I left Canada. I went to McGill University for undergrad and and grad school and left that to join a a research group in Boston at Harvard Medical School as an immunologist. So I specialize in the immune system, vaccines, anti-cancer, that kind of stuff. And that's what got me to the U.S. And um, But I've always loved education. And that kind of weaves through the marrow of my bones. My parents did a lot of things, including education. And so a colleague of mine, I was both at Harvard and MIT, a colleague of mine at MIT was like, you know, we like education. There's this place called the Franklin Institute, which is like COSI in Philadelphia. And they're like, they want someone to head up their, their science and education stuff. Mm-hmm. And long story short, threw my hat in the ring. And that's how I left from being a basic scientist um, to um, working in science museum field. And that position led me to this great city of Columbus and at COSI. Nice. So he does. He has this tremendous background in education and research. I had a chance, obviously, to look at your bio before you came in today. Uh, the list really goes on and on, including this international presence in the science industry. But one thing that I, that I love that you hit on with your explanation right there is that here you were in kind of doing work in immunology, as you were talking about, and then someone noticed something in you to kind of bring you along to this educational side. I mean, talk about that hybrid of, of bringing talents together, I guess. You know, it's funny. I mean, so I'm a, I'm a science nerd. I'm a science geek at heart. There's no question. I love a lot of other things, but, but that's, you know, that's my passion. Um, and, and so you work at the bench and you're a scientist, but this country, just like Canada 
is really slipping on the science acuity level, is really slipping in terms of science literacy. America is more and more science illiterate, and it's a big problem. And so even though I love being at the bench and doing research, I also love communicating and I love education. And I felt like, you know what, not for nothing, I might be able to have a slightly bigger impact by working in like a science center community where you can impact thousands, if not tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands, and get people to, to see that science isn't something they should be scared of, you know, isn't a foreign thing, but maybe by by being able to present and communicate it in powerful ways, you get people excited again, and hopefully that makes a difference and, and gets people excited about about pursuing science. This, this kind of begs a question that I was I was wanting to ask you. You know, because you're such an advocate for all things STEM, I would say from what I've read. So science, technology, engineering, and math fields. Not all of us did grow up with that background. There is illiteracy in our lives when we were not as familiar with that, but. There's this feeling that we all should be a little more familiar right now and invested with these fields. Give me a little more perspective on why we need to care and what we can do in small ways when that is not something we are naturally inclined to, to help maybe our kids and the next generation go that direction. I mean, great, great, Michaela, great question. So um, how many times have you heard people say, I'm not good in math? Tons. I've said it a million times. Oh, okay. So I didn't mean to Sorry, you, I'm I one did, of those. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, there's this like collective almost, not only am I not good at math, but there's almost a pride that's said with it, or I'm, I'm not good at math. I wasn't good in science. Whereas if you're illiterate, you know, you can't read and write. There's a little shame attached to that. Like you don't go around saying, hey, I'm illiterate. <laughs> that's cool. But for some reason, it's okay to not know anything about science or, or be comfortable not knowing about math. And, and there are downstream consequences. I mean, let's look at 2007, 2008, the whole subprime crisis. You can talk about all the greedy companies and how they did this and they had these mortgage shorts and they knew the products weren't good and blah, 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 blah. And they were giving mortgages to people who couldn't afford it. At the end of the day, it boils down to the people that it impacted the most didn't understand basic things around interest rates, around compound interest rates, and around hijacking rates, what it would mean to go from a 3% mortgage to a 13% mortgage. That's basic math. And if the average person understood that, wait a minute, I really want that nice house, but you know what? In five years, my subprime mortgage is going to jump 15%. That means my 800 or 1200 a month mortgage payment is going to be $4,000. That's going to bankrupt me. That's a basic math principle, but because we're so comfortable, and it's not that simple, don't get me wrong, a lot of other factors. Right. In the whole but, but certainly as the end user, if we felt stronger about really understanding math, we might think at least a minimum might think twice about getting in that kind of contract. And more importantly, we might decide that's crazy. Mathematically, it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it, right? Th that's one. Two, if I asked you f of x is equal to log x base 10, you would look at me just like you're looking <laughs> at me now, like, what, Frederick, what are you saying, yes. right? And if you write it on chalkboard again- Is it again, algebra? I, it's algebra, okay, right? Okay, at least if, I knew if, that. If you write it on, on the chalkboard, F, open brackets, X, is equal to log X base 10. Most people, college undergraduates included, will be like, oh my gosh, that's logarithms, that's scary. Sweat. Yet, so we'll start sweating. <laughs> Yet, if I tell you, and I do this with kids who are, four, forget about fourth grade, kids who are four years old, I say- would you I'd do this in classrooms? Would you like a dollar? Oh, Dr. B, I'd love a dollar. Would you like $10? Oh my gosh, I'd love $10. How about I'm about to give you $100 right now? The kids start losing their mind to get excited. I say, you know what? I'm going to give you $1,000. Dr. B, we love you. Give us $1,000. <laughs> that four year old instantly understands the difference between one, $10, $100, and $1,000. Orders of magnitude base 10. That's that equation I gave you. 
Yet, that's that equation. That's that. It's related to that equation, things like exponential growth. Yet we get so nervous in school, or I hate math. Yet if you contextualize it in a way that's meaningful, people get it. So t- to create that kind of interest for kids, they need to be exposed to this kind of stuff when their parents are not necessarily the first people who are excited about it, right? A- absolutely, absolutely. And, and you, you know, you asked about, well, why is it so important? It's not just about subprime, but let's go a little further. In this country, this great country, the United States of America, there are kids who die every year from measles infection. Why? Because their parents, and let me be clear, their parents are often middle class or upper class, college educated. They're deciding not to vaccinate their children. Now, measles vaccine will prevent you 100% from getting the measles virus and dying. Yet, for whatever reason, there's a lot, you know, they decided, oh, we heard it's associated with autism. We heard there's a risk. And so they're electing. So now you get kids who are innocent who will die from measles because their parents don't vaccinate. That's the impact of science illiteracy. They're basing it on, oh, we heard a study a long time ago. It made this, despite the fact that the study was disavowed, despite the fact that the science community rejected the newspaper, despite the fact that the one scientist who came up with that has fallen from grace, there's still this misunderstanding. And that's why science illiteracy is important. And one last thing, you may have gone to the doctor and the doctor may have said, hey, you know, I think you have a viral infection. And you're like, okay, bummer. Then they give you a prescription for antibiotics. And you do what I do. You take that prescription, you go to the pharmacy, you fill it out, you take your antibiotics. Here's a doctor giving you antibiotics, which means antibacterial, when they're telling you you have a viral infection. And so now we have these superbugs in these U.S. hospitals. MRSA. MRSA and others that are killing people because we don't have a regimen of antibiotics. So it's not about, oh, it'd be cute to learn science. Is there a lot of downstream impacts of having a science illiterate society that not just impact health and well-being, but finance, economy, everything? So here you are bringing this passion and this excitement to Columbus, Ohio, when you've been in Boston and Philly. So I have to ask you, what attracted you to this job in Columbus? So I'm chilling at the Franklin Institute. Franklin Institute um, is top 10 science museum in the country. It's the oldest science museum in the country, in fact, in Philadelphia. Um, COSI is also a top 10 science museum. So not because it's me, but because I'm a senior VP, there's not a ton of us. You know, so I got the recruitment call, et cetera. And I, I got calls for other places, Texas, Miami, Buffalo, um, Places Minnesota, that were warmer are included were warmer, and colder. Cities that are pretty interesting, but none of the institutions interested me. And then when, when, when COSI came calling, I was like... I remember COSI because I was here for a conference in 2012. I remember COSI was fantastic at hosting world guests for this conference. And I remember the city of Columbus was pretty cool. Um, but here's the deal. They said, okay, well, we want you to be president and CEO. And I come for the interview process. And there are 16 people around this table to interview me, of which only eight were on the board of COSI. The other eight were president CEOs of for-profit, non-for-profit, you know, stakeholders in the community. And that told me that COSI and Columbus is really about partnership. You wouldn't see that as much as I love Philly and Boston. You wouldn't see that. Like at the Franklin Institute, all the people making decisions are on the board of the Franklin Institute. Boston, same thing. But, But Columbus, 
They wanted other people outside of COSI to have a say on who was going to be the new president. And that for me meant that the city, this whole thing that I now learned from both, you know, um, Mayor Coleman and now Mayor Ginther, I learned about this thing called the Columbus Way, where people really like to partner. And that resonates so much with me. So that was point number one. Point number two, they're like, not only are we partnership city, um, we're going to give you dinosaurs. I'm like, right. I'm like, what? And not only are we going to give you dinosaurs, by the way, Frederick, it's a partnership with the American Museum of Natural History based in New York. So I'm like, wait a minute. So you're giving me dinosaurs and they're coming from the American Museum of Natural History. To put that in context for your listeners, that's the number one natural history museum in the world. If you've ever seen Night at the Museum, that's yeah, of where, course. That's where, that classic was filmed there. And so... I'm like, okay, you're serious. Oh, and they're like, we're also going to build you an underground garage, and we're going to give you a seven-acre park right in front of Cosa. I was like, is it like pinched me? Is this, is this real? Is this real? So, so absolutely, I jumped at the opportunity. But, but really, um, it was about the fact that Columbus is a partnership city, and and Cosa is a state-of-the-art science center. The Columbus Way is a fact. I've used that expression many times myself. It just truly is the collaboration in the city. You you picked up on it. I mean, really, it picked up on me, and I'm happy to go for the ride. So, for those folks who haven't seen it yet, what do they need to know? A, you need to come to Kosai to see the dinosaur exhibit. Um, even I felt if like you just say, rah, after that, like, <laughs> come and see this exhibit. No, and the reason why it's extraordinary is, as mentioned before, you know, Kosai's had a few dinosaur exhibits in the past, and there are a bunch around the country. But this is a partnership between the American Museum of Natural History. And I got to put it in perspective. Kosai is 330,000 square feet. Top 10 science center in the country. The top 10 sciences in the country are between 300 and 400,000 square feet. So Boston Museum of Science, California Science Academy, you name it. They're all roughly that range. The AMNA, the American Museum of Natural History is 1.7 million square feet for New York City blocks. You can put COSI in there. You can put Boston Museum of Science in there. You can put the Franklin Institute, the Exploratorium, Chicago Museum of Science, and you can have room to salsa. I mean, it's just like, it's the grandma, granddaddy of them all for for, for naturalist museums. And so they could have partnered with European institutions, African, South American. They could have partnered anywhere in this country. They picked this great city of Columbus and Kosai. They picked Columbus because, indeed, this city, I've also learned, is the test market for all things American. Whether it's fashion, whether it's restaurants, this is like the great demographic to test stuff. And they picked Kosai because we're legit top 10 science center. And so what you're seeing when you come to the dinosaur exhibit is a -a one-of-a-kind exhibition that fuses two cool things that American Museum of Natural History has. One is a great dinosaur gallery, but two, what we now know about dinosaurs, you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you ready? Brace uh, I'm like, I'm bracing. They're not extinct. You know how we thought they were extinct? Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody thought they were extinct. Dinosaurs are actually not extinct so because- you, Are you giving me a Jurassic Park moment here? What, where are we going? This is that GP moment. Dinosaurs are still among us, which is why our tagline is dinosaurs among us, because birds are direct descendants of dinosaurs. What you see in the exhibit, aside from seeing massive Tyrannosaurus rex, beautiful, you know, dug up, um, unbelievable skeletons, is as you go through the gallery, you also see the evolution of birds and how dinosaurs were actually birds. They were birds. That's just pretty cool. So next time you see a pigeon chilling on the sidewalk, remember that that's actually a dinosaur. Great, 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 great grandchild. 
My five and seven year old are going to love this. I have two so boys. So will you. This, I, wanna, I want to be clear. You can use the excuses your five and go. seven years ago. You're going to love it. It's fabulous. So it's hard to ask you this because, you know, I can tell how much you love this exhibit. So I, I guess I'm going to ask you what your second favorite exhibit is maybe at COSI and and why. So oh, I'm, I mean, man, I have to get to dinosaurs good. to see this, right? Like it's, it's, it's a limited engagement, if you will. No, ah, see, or I'm no. glad you asked that. Yes, we want you to come and see it right away. It's playing right now, um, but definitely come and check it out. But this is so unique. This partnership is a permanent partnership. That gallery, the dinosaur gallery, we own. And we'll always be so a we're always going to own it. You're always going to own it. And the, the extension of the park, so that's about 13,000 square feet. There's an adjacent gallery, which will open March 3rd with some traveling content from the Natural History Museum in New York City, starting with Silk Roads. And for three years, we're going to have five different exhibits. So the permanent gallery of dinosaurs, Cosi now owns. You, we want you to come soon. Okay. But don't worry. We'll keep the light on for you like Motel 6. You can come and check it out. But Thank that you, Dr. But, but that traveling gallery will also have other really cool content. Um, from AMNH. So we got so much good stuff for you. So what is, given that, what is your second? Do you have a second favorite? Like what um, comes in close? I'm going to cheat. My second exhibit is the next travel exhibit we get. Ooh. <laughs> totally cheating. And when do you get to announce that? So March is it, 3rd is, is, that, that's is Silk Roads. Silk Roads. After and what that, it, that's about, so Silk Roads is all yeah. about kind of migration, looking at populations moving from one place to another, which is really timely when you think about what's happening now in our country and around the world with immigration. So it's really a, an incredible exhibit. I mean, it allows us to engage all different communities of different ethnic origins and whatnot. So we're excited about that. Then after that, about six months later, so sometime in 2018, we're going to have Poison. Let me poison? tell you, Poison. It is beautiful. The exhibit is beautiful eye candy, but then it also like perks your eyebrow up in terms of all these different poisons from different species. It's really, really fascinating. So that are naturally occurring within species or Absolutely, with, and how we can manipulate or how we, them. Yeah, or I was going to say manufacture them. Is it a, the whole range the of poison? The whole range of poison. Like, wow. don't miss it. It's fascinating. And then we do uh, um, dragons, which are mythic creatures. Um, then we may have one on Cuba. We may have one on ocean. Which is fabulous content to supplement the dinosaur gallery. And this is all from the American Museum of Natural History. It's all in New York City. Like, what what's up? Columbus, we want to partner Columbus, with you. Columbus, Ohio. On the map again. You. You know, you guys do a great job of attracting a really wide variety of visitors. So it isn't just the five and seven-year-olds. I know that. Kosai After Dark events, huge hit with young professionals here in town. Listen, I got to say, you yeah. mentioned Kosai After Dark. We yeah. do this monthly. It's all, almost always the third Thursday, but you can go to Kosai.org and see the list. We do sell beer, wine, and full bar, but it's really not about just having cocktails. It's about... Getting making science come alive and there's no young kids running around, you can really get into stuff and people love it. So you guys just seem to be kind of ahead of the curve every way I look when I when I look at kind of the plan, the strategy over there. So in terms of evolving your programming, I mean, given the fact that you are ahead of that mark to attract more than your younger audiences or even more than just the Coast Eye After Dark crew, how often do like marketing and strategy conversations take place. Because here you are kind of geeking out on the science part, but you also know you have to kind of appeal to all these, this wide breadth of audiences. I mean, that's a great question. And, and this is a question that science centers across the country are facing. How do we stay, how do we stay relevant in a community environment where, you know, you're handheld, whether it's a phone or tablet, tablet dominates your life, right? I mean, you have the proposition of being a mom or a dad, um, having a minivan with two or three kids, hopping on the car, driving down the road, parking in the science center, paying, you know, 25 bucks or so per person. By the time you do food parking, you spend like 
200 maybe 250 dollars for like four or five hundred. Now yeah. we love that, and we want you to come and do that. Mm-hmm. But you could get a tablet, get the internet, and have access to the world. So how do you stay relevant? So you're spot on. We we try to stay cutting edge and be above the and have neat programming and leverage marketing to get our our voice and our ideas out there. But really, it's about changing the model. Yes, Kosai is that mother flagship experience. We want you to come to the Sayota Peninsula down in downtown Columbus and experience our building. But I want to take Kosai beyond the walls of that building. I have this idea of where you live, learn, and lounge. I want to bring you an incredible science experience. So, for example, next time you're in a bar in you know, in Bexley or in Gahanna or wherever, and you're having a little cosmopolitan, getting your little drink on, and, and you look at the coaster, and the coaster says, do you know that the cranberry and pomegranate mixed with the esters and alcohol make this wonderful flavor, which is why it tastes so good on your palate? Brought to you by Kosai, right? So bring the science out where you yeah. eat, where you play, where, where, you, where you drink, where you go out to follow sports. or co- There's science everywhere. You can't wake up in the morning and get throughout the day without being impacted by science. So how do we make science come alive? And not just come alive, come alive where you're hanging out, where you're going to school, where you're working. Like, you know, not just at COSA. Yeah, we want you to come back and buy a ticket and come and see the cool stuff we have inside. But imagine if we can make science um, equals COSA ubiquitous. So that's one of the things that we're trying to market and push out to bring science everywhere. I, I love that kind of the thought that you explained with the kind of the pomegranate and whatnot. Um, for this, though, as you were talking, how do you know, how, how far ahead do you plan? Because you're telling me about this, you know, the relationship that you're having with the Museum of Natural History. How, how I mean, you're, you, you have a three-year rotation. You said three years, right? Is that right? Absolutely. Rotation with their traveling exhibits. Yeah. Do you plan beyond that? I mean, how do you strategically look at that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Things like traveling exhibits, you do plan like two, you know, certainly two years out. I'm sometimes even looking three years out. How do you stay um, hip to the trends when you're doing that? Well, I mean, that's a great question because a lot of times you lock down these contracts 18 months out and you're like, whoops, that fell out of favor. <laughs> we dodged that contract. <laughs> so there's, you know, some give and take there. But there's also, but it's not just about like the exhibits. It's really about how to th- be forward thinking. So for example, August 21st, 2017, one of the most amazing things we had this year, that was the eclipse. Yeah. So I worked with the team and I said, you know what? I got started in January, as you mentioned, of this year, 2017. And I decided in February, we have this thing called the eclipse coming up in the summer. I want to paint the entire city of Columbus eclipse and I want it to be branded cosine. My team was like, Hmm, that's interesting. What do you mean? I was like, I want to give away thousands of glasses and I want to be everywhere. I want to know if you're in a hundred mile radius or at least 50 mile radius of Kosai and you're interested in clips, you're coming, you're, you're coming to Kosai. And, and what happened was the team, which was amazing, bought into it. And on that day, we were in one adult place, Land Grant, um, which is in Franklinton, right. that bear place. They had two 1,500 adults in land grant. The the owner was worried that he was going to run out of beer. This is in the <laughs> middle of the day all around Eclipse, and we gave we gave Eclipse glasses to everyone there. Um, then we were in um, one school. We were in eight metro parks. 
we were in every one of the 23 libraries. So there are 23 libraries in the Columbus Metropolitan right. Library. That we're in every one of the 23 libraries. And these are libraries that get like 50, sometimes 100 people per day, the smaller libraries. We had on average 600 people in those libraries. Some of them were over 1,000 people, right? We were in- My youngest um, son was at one of those. There you go. There you go. We were in Easton. We had 5,000 people in Easton. My point is we decided to not just be all about COSI, which we had 8,000 people that day, but we were in all these different places doing incredible programming around science to get people excited as they're gearing up to around that 2 p.m. time to start paying attention to the eclipse. We gave out 33,000 glasses, impacted 50,000 people. So in terms of planning in advance, it's like, okay, well, what's what's a big moment out there? What can we leverage? What can we do? And so that's an example of how we can be forward thinking and impact people in incredible ways around things, science that are interesting and not even necessarily be in our building. I love it. The science guy talking about marketing. So looking at dates, those moments of importance, and then using your creativity and your knowledge to build that up. That's right. Everybody can do that. Absolutely. In their businesses, in their everyday life. Yeah, no, very. And in this competitive market, you need to do that. I mean, you know, nothing's a silver bullet, but, but you need to just think creatively, be forward thinking and try to do different things. Yeah. Um, you know, Kosai's welcomed more than 33 million visitors from all 50 states, numerous foreign countries since opening back in 1964. Yep. It's been around since 1964. Do you know we were across the original Wendy's? No, I did not so know the that. very first, actually, you know what? It's right near Capitol Law School. Yeah. Yeah. So the original Wendy's was right across, or the original Kosai in 1964, it was right across the street from the original Wendy's right there on Broad Street near Capitol Law School. Fact cool? brought to you by COSI. No, <laughs> by fact, Dr. Burtley. Fact, fact brought to you by Capital University. Capital University, <laughs> because yes, here you go. Well, how can the Columbus business community, do you really think, help to support COSI and vice versa? Let me ask you that. Since we're talking to folks who are invested in the chamber and supporting the chamber and, you know, what's going on in our city. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say things like the chamber and things like the Columbus Partnership were critical in making this thing happen. You talked about the original COSI being on Broad Street near Capitol Law School, right across the Wendy's. Well, it moved, that was, as you said, 1964. It moved in 1999 to that peninsula. Okay, then so that was the biggest thing since it opened. The next biggest thing is actually what's happening now. The opening of the partnership with AMNH, the Dinosaur Gallery, the Traveling Gallery that'll start in 2018, the underground garage, two-story underground garage, and a seven-acre beautiful park right on the west side of COSI. This is all happening right now. That couldn't happen with just COSI or this donor, that donor. It was really a partner. So the chamber and the business community stepped up to support COSI and say, we want to have this place be an epicenter of attraction. We want it to be a destination place. So there's that. There's also the National Vets a Veterans Memorial Museum that's yeah, opening that's in the around. summer of 2018. That's also on the peninsula. And it's just really bringing a lot of good, rich content there. So so it can be a destination so that people can see downtown Columbus is, you know, that area. There's a short north. There's the arena district. These are all compelling places. And you couldn't do this without collaboration with the business community, folks in the chamber and whatnot. You know, no, you couldn't. Again, back to that collaborative nature and these amazing things happening when Absolutely. folks work together. So we have listeners that own their own businesses or work for really incredible companies, of course. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, before we say goodbye, what is a lesson really that you've learned in your career? We've talked a lot about COSI. We talked a little bit about your journey. But for you and your journey to Columbus in your career journey, 
What is a lesson that you've learned that you can be believe can be applied in all of our worlds? You know, you come from the science and academia background, and then we have a lot of these business owners or entrepreneurs. What are some things that we can learn from you? Um, I mean, that's a great tough question, um, and, and and I'll get to that, or I'll get to, I'll try to get to an answer for that in a minute. But um, the other cool thing about Columbus, and you talked about the chamber and businesses, is Columbus is one of the best, fastest growing startup companies in the country. Everybody thinks about Silicon Valley, especially tech startups, and no doubt Silicon Valley is amazing. But right here in this great city, we have incredible proliferation of startup companies and around the technical sciences and, and technology. And that is really cool. So for your listeners who are like, oh, I'm tech savvy, or I want to do this, I want to start a company, oh, I need to go to Silicon Valley, or I need to go to New York. No, you can do that right here. And it's such a ripe time and, and a great landscape to do that stuff. And I say that because for me, that was a learning curve. So you talk about learning, like, I, I just didn't know that. I, you know, I came from Canada, you know, love New York, love DC, lived in Boston, lived in Philly, you know, a lot of cool cities there. But I'm thinking tech startups, I'm going straight to Silicon Valley. But no, this is this Midwestern region in general, but specifically Greater Columbus is fantastic for that. So I just want to put that out there because- So we should, if uh, people want to take the leap, this is the place to take the leap to well, do something like that. that's exactly right. I mean, just, you know, as you rip off the lens of, I want to try to experiment and do something different, don't feel, if you're from this area, not only don't feel that you have to leave, understand that you are in one of the most arable lands, one of the most fertile spaces to get your dreams to become a reality. So keep that in mind. In terms of, of what kind of my advice or, or, or what have you per your question is, you know, I really go back to, to Louis Pasteur, you know, the guy who came up with pasteurization. And I can't remember if it's 1858 or 59, but sometime in the 19th century, he had that famous quote, it's French, and it says, you know, um, chance préfère um, le, le, le cerveau um, attentif. And, and, and the English translation is really, chance favors the prepared mind. And we've heard that throughout yeah. the decades. But for me, that's something that's resonated with me my whole life. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you're lucky. You know, oh, Michaela, you're doing this. You're lucky. You, you may, there's maybe a little luck, but guess what? You were prepared when the opportunity came for you to be here and to run the studio and do this show. And it's this idea that no matter what you're doing in life, if you work hard and, and, and develop yourself to the best of the ability, this idea of good luck or good fortune, yeah, there's some of it out there. But when that opportunity comes, if you're not ready for it, it doesn't matter how lucky you were that the opportunity came. If you weren't ready to step up and, and, and run this show, you wouldn't be able to do it. And so this idea of just work hard, whatever you're passionate about. I'm a science guy, but it can be anything. I love, By the way, I love art, too. You talked about STEM. I talk about STEAM, science, technology, engineering, add that arts, a. absolutely, STEAM, and, yep. and, 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 and math. But, but this idea of just be prepared. And when you're prepared, statistically, that cool chance or that lucky opportunity will come to you. And because chance favors the prepared mind, you'll be ready to take it on and excel to the next level. It's pretty incredible, Dr. Bertley, to sit down with such a smart guy who likes, uh, we've lived, we've learned, and we've lounged, you know? Like, that's what we've done here today. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it, that is that is what you embody in kind of the conversation. So thank you for sharing 
part of your brain with us today. You well, know what I mean? Thank you very much. But do know that that sharing is indeed a, 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 a back and forth process. So you made this possible. I couldn't be happy to be here. Um, anytime you and your entire studio family want to come visit Kosai and see dinosaurs or otherwise, just give Frederick a call. Happy to, to host you all. We're on it. Go visit Frederick, all of you who are listening out there too. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your station. So if you love this show, and we hope you do, we hope you like some of the content that we're bringing you through CBuzz, let us know by giving us a rating or a review. Obviously, five stars would be amazing, but those ratings and reviews, they help people find our show. And we read your feedback that you leave with us, and we really value your ideas as we plan for future shows. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks again for being here, and we will catch you next time.